Thanks for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. We are one church at five locations, streaming online every Sunday morning at live.faithishere.org. We hope that you're challenged and encouraged by today's message. And if you'd like to watch or listen to previous messages, or if you'd like to learn more about who we are as a church and how you can stay connected, head over to faithishere.org. Welcome this morning to Faith Assembly. Good to have everybody here. Aren't you glad you came out today? What a sweet, sweet spirit and presence of the Lord in the house today. Take your Bibles out and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. While you're turning, uh, let me just share a couple of things with you very quickly. Life point one and two actually happened today. That was last week's announcement that went in there again this morning. And so uh, we want to remind you, today's Life Point 1, Life Point 2, it'll be right after the second service. So for you guys that are here in the early service this morning, go out and get a little, uh, just go out and hang out and then come back. And we've got a great lunch for you back there in Building 6. If you want to find out more about what's going on here at Faith Assembly of God, stand with me. John chapter 15. We're in a series, Famous Last Words. And uh, last week we looked at... Uh, uh, the, some of the, the words from John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And we looked at what that meant and how that impacts every one of our lives and how we come to God. In fact, he starts out that chapter. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so, but I go away to prepare a place for you. And so these disciples, they're all confused and they're afraid. And he's announcing at the beginning of this last dissertation that he's leaving them. And they've been with him for all this time. And they say, what are, you, what are we going to do now? And he says, there's a couple of reasons I've got to go away. Number one, he says, if I go away, I'm going to send you another comforter who will be with you and he will be in you. And so it's important I go away because I'll send the comforter back to you. But he says, I'm also going away to get a place ready for you. And I'm going to have this place ready for you, and it's going to be grand. And one day I will come back, and I will receive you unto myself, and I will take you to be with me where I am, and there we can be together and dwell forever. And so he's announcing the time when he's going to be going away. Now, here's the problem. You've been hanging with Jesus for three and a half years. You've been with him. He's your teacher. He's your life. He's your source. He's your everything. And now he's going to be gone. But Jesus begins to teach in John chapter 15, there is going to be now a new dynamic spiritual union that will begin to take place that's not dependent on me being here with you. And he describes it in terms of a a vine and branches. And he, he, he talks about remaining in the vine, staying in the vine. And if you stay in the vine, you'll be nourished and you'll be strengthened and you'll find hope and you'll bear fruit. And so we're going to look at this relationship, this new, unique, spiritual relationship that now Jesus is going to have with his disciples and all of us. It's the same way we maintain our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's look at it together. Abide in me and I in you. And he uses this very colorful picture. Many of the, many of the parables in the word of God are, are agriculture and natural. Because they were farmers. They were a farming community. And so he draws them in. He gives them this powerful illustration of what it meant to keep a vineyard. And how that that vine could produce more fruit. So let's look at verse 1 together. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. 
so that it will be, bear even much more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, except it remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let us pray. Father, we love you so much. You are so awesome, and we're thankful, God, that you are our source of strength and our source of life and our source of joy and our source of fruitfulness. Remind us of that again this morning. We thank you, God, for your sweet presence that is already here today through the worship and praise. Lord, you are in our midst, and may we continue to give you glory and honor as we preach your word. Have your will and way in this service, we pray. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen and amen. Turn to someone, tell them they look beautiful today, and then you may be seated. I am the vine. You are the branches. In fact, there are eight I am statements in the New Testament. Seven of them are found in the book of John. One is found in the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And so he has these powerful I am statements all scattered throughout the book of John. He says, I am that bread that's come down from above. He said, last week we looked at I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he, when he met uh, at Lazarus' house, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Every time he uses this phrase, I am, he's declaring himself to be God. And now he says in John 15, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now, I, w- I want to make some observations about this relationship between the vine and the branches. And the first is simply this, and he says it very clearly. He says, we must remain in the vine, in verse number four. In fact, four, 11 different times in, in, in this chapter, he uses the word remain. Remain, remain in my love, remain in the vine. I will remain in you, remain in me, remain, remain, remain. It's kind of the same thought all throughout these first 11 verses of John chapter 15. The word translated in the King James Version, abide. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will, abide in me. It's the same word that describes Mary, the mother of Jesus, when she goes and dwells with Elizabeth. Remember when, when Jesus Christ, she's pregnant, she's going to go stay with her Elizabeth, her cousin, and she's going to stay there with her. And, and while she is there, she abides in the house. She remains with her. She abides with her. And she will stay for three months. It's the same word. So he says, we remain in Christ as a person remains in a house. Now, let me tell you, something's implied by this very thought right out of the gate. It already implies that you are already in Christ Jesus. You can't remain in Christ unless you're first born again, unless you're first saved. You've got to be in the house to remain in the house. And the way you get in the house is say, God, I need you. I can't save myself. Come into my life. Take my sins away. I give my whole heart and my whole life completely to you. And so he's writing to believers right here about our relationship of remaining or staying inside the house. 
It implies you are already in Jesus Christ. It is absurd to remain in a house if you've not yet entered. And so let me ask you a question right out of the gate. Have you entered that house? Have you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? The Bible describes our relationship with him. Paul says, in Christ. I am in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ today? Have you invited him to come into your life? We repent of our sins and turn to God. Then we are technically in Christ. Now he says that we are in Christ Jesus. We are in him. We are to remain in him. Stay in him. It says in the word of God, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad of that today? He will finish the work that he starts in you. It implies a continual communion or relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's constant relationship with him so that his life can work in us and his life works through us. And because of that relationship between the vine and the branches, I can produce fruit for his glory. It involves staying in the word of God. It involves those times of prayer when I wait on the Lord Jesus Christ. It involves my confession of sin. So they don't allow unconfessed sin to remain in my life because if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Bible says God will not hear me. And so it stays in that place of confession. And when I blow it, I say, God, I'm sorry. God, I, I blew it. God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. And so it involves all that as a part of that remaining in Christ Jesus. You see this relationship of our dependency upon the vine as our source of life. Jesus Christ is my sole source of life. He says in verse 2, if if we don't remain in the vine, we will die and wither. If we separate ourselves from the Lord Jesus Christ, we will remain fruitless. Uh, And there comes a point when death occurs. He says you're no longer good for nothing but to be cut off the vine and cast into the fire. Very strong warning in verse number 6. If we remain in the vine, he says, we will bear much fruit. If we remain in the vine, he says in verse 11, we'll experience fullness of joy. If we remain in the vine, he says, our prayers will be answered. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, I'll hear and I'll answer your prayers. Now, here's what we're dealing with today in America. This is why this word is so important this morning. There are a lot of what I would call believers, Christians, who are in Christ Jesus, but they're spiritually barren. They're not producing fruit. They're going through the motions. They, 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 they love the Lord and they acknowledge the Lord and they believe that he died and rose again for my sins, but when it actually comes down to it, they are very barren and they're not producing spiritual fruits. And so we ask ourselves, why, why isn't my life in Christ Jesus more fruitful like he describes in the word of God? It all stems from a lack of communion with God. I believe if there's constant communion with the Lord, you will be fruitful. 
because you're worshiping the Lord and you're praising the Lord and every day you're giving thanks and every day you're exalting him. I believe it will be fruitful because you'll have that place of prayer and you'll seek God every day and throughout the day you'll pray without ceasing as you wait on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll meditate on his word and you'll get into the word of God and you'll study God's word and it'll come alive to you and it'll be very real in your life and you'll want to serve other people and and do acts of good deeds and be salt and light to this world. Uh, those things will be happening out of that relationship with Christ. But where it's not happening, our life becomes barren or fruitless. We wonder why there's so much anxiety and we wonder why there's a lack of peace and we wonder why we don't have any joy anymore and we wonder why we, we struggle with the, all these lusts of the flesh that keep creeping in. We wonder why we deal with all these issues over and over and over again. It's because we're not abiding in Christ Jesus. We're not remaining in him. Yes, you may know him as Lord, but there's still parts you're holding back for yourself. You're, 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 you're revolved around your own interests. And you're not being fruitful. It is in Christ the fruit is found. Turn to Psalm 92. I want you to listen to this description. It is a beautiful picture. The psalmist paints and is reminiscent of the vine and the branches. Verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Now look at this phrase, verse 13. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. I take comfort in that. They will still stay fresh and green. There, there is, he, he describes this abiding in the courts, in the house of the Lord. And when we abide with Christ and we dwell with him and we remain in him, even in old age, you will continue to bear fruit. You'll be green and lush and beautiful and fruit bearing for our Lord and Savior. So what's my point is this abiding in Christ. Stay in the house of the Lord. Deepen, intensify your union and relationship that you already have in Christ Jesus. You're already in Christ Jesus. Now seek to know him more. Like the Apostle Paul says, I want to know you more, God. I want to get closer to you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be in fellowship with you. And so we seek to deepen and intensify that relationship with Christ we already have through salvation, through his grace. It's the key to bearing fruit. It's dwelling in the courts of the Lord. It's it's abiding under the shadow of the wings of the almighty God. It's this uh, secret place of the most high God. In Christ, in that relationship, and out of that relationship, fruit is birthed and born. Satan wants to mess you up. And what happens is his temptations are very subtle. So what he will do is, it's not an all-out frontal attack. You know better than to, to give in to that. But what he does is he tries to get you preoccupied with self. Stay with me here. Tries to get you preoccupied with my own fruit or or my own accomplishments. And so that I no longer live this life by faith, I begin to trust in my own good works. I no longer bring glory to God, but now it's all about bringing glory to myself. 
But he says, if, if I remain or abide in him, then I let the thoughts and speech and attitudes and action come from the flow of that spiritual sap or that spiritual life of the Holy Spirit from the vine to the branches. Because I'm abiding in him. It's all about Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, then he abides in us. In other words, the Bible says he is strong when I am weak. And I live out of his strength. I live out of his fullness. I live out of his life and not my own. So I say like the apostle Paul, it's not I that live anymore. It's Christ that lives in me. And Christ in me is wisdom and righteousness and redemption and sanctification and the hope of glory. It's Christ in me. It's not about myself. I must decrease that he might increase more of Jesus, more of Christ, and that's going to come out of a, a relationship of prayer and the word and church and fellowship and loving one another in the body of Christ. Now the challenge is the pruning process. That's the part we don't like. But often he has to prune us so that we'll bear more fruit. And we don't always like the pruning knife. Look at verses two and three again. I want you to see those. He says, I, uh, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. That's the, that's the one who's detached from the vine. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Every branch, he cuts it back that you may even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken unto you. Now, nothing escapes the watchful eye of the gardener. He's always looking over his vineyard. He's always looking over his vines. He knows the condition of every branch. Our heavenly father, he's watering the branches. He trains the branches and he prunes the branches or cuts them back. Now, let me tell you what the purpose of the vineyard is. It's not to look purdy. It's to bear fruit. You don't, work the, you don't work the vineyard. You don't work the vines. You don't tend it and care for it and water it and till the soil. You don't do all that work just to have a little pretty, pretty shrubbery out in your front yard. You do it so you can have the beautiful, luscious grapes that are a product of the vineyard and the vine. He says the dead branches, he simply just cuts them off. Look at verse number six of what happens to the dead branches. If anyone does not remain in me, you do not stay in Christ Jesus. You denounce your Lord and Savior. He will like a branch, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. Now that's a picture of that last judgment at the end of the age. And he says, if you don't stay in Christ Jesus, if you're not in Christ Jesus, all you're good for is firewood and kindling. But he, he, he moves on, and then he talks more about the living branches. And he says, the living branches he prunes, or he cuts off the new leaves and the new sprouts, and typically this is done in the month of August. Uh, go ahead and put that picture up there of a vine. Just, just a fruitful, a uh, uh, lot, of, lot of branches, a lot of trees. Uh, 
throw it up there. There you go. Okay. Now this, that, there's a vineyard. Isn't that vineyard pretty? A beautiful vineyard right there. And you see all the leaves all over that. Okay. That's, that's the, and what, but what will happen is all those pretty leaves are there, but if they are all left like that, they will take the life away from the grapes and the grapes will be puny or non-existent. So he, so the gardener has to go back and cut all those leaves back in the month of August so that it will, next time around it will bear more fruit. So take a look at what it looks like when it's pruned. That's ugly. That, that is the vineyard after he prunes it or cuts all those branches down or off so that it will bear more fruit. He does that every single year so that the luscious fruit gets more plentiful year after year after year. It is that cutting back process. He cuts back the leaves so that all the nutrients may go to the grapes. The pruning process is done by an experienced gardener who knows exactly what he's doing. Now let me tell you this, God is the gardener, he knows what he's doing in your life. He knows exactly what he's doing. And sometimes it doesn't look beautiful and sometimes it looks messy and sometimes we don't understand it and sometimes it just is downright ugly but God knows what he's doing in your life. And he is gonna prune that. He is a gardener who's not detached. He cares about you. In fact, the greatest judgment the gardener could ever give us is just leave us alone. Let our branches run amok. Just leave us alone. That would be the greatest judgment we could experience. But because he loves us, the Bible says, he prunes us that we will bear more fruit for his glory. Now, how does God prune us? I want to give you two ways. Jot these down. I think they might be there in your outline. Number one, he prunes us through the word of God. The word of God is like his pruning knife. In fact, the word uses that description of the word. He says in Hebrews 4 and 12, listen to this. This is so excellent. For the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, the word of God is like a knife. It's that knife that the, the, the gardener skillfully uses in his hands to cut away all that is carnal, all that is evil, all that is fleshly, all that is itself, so that I may bear more fruit through the Lord Jesus Christ. Larry's got to be cut back so Christ might be seen in me. The more of Larry, the less of Jesus. The more of Jesus, the less of Larry. And so if I will get into the word and follow the word and obey the word, it has its work in my heart and life of purifying me and, and creating in me that righteousness and holiness after Christ Jesus. The word convicts. The word cleanses. The word washes. It's that effect of the word of God. It's a word in my spirit that shows me how to live. Look, look, look at, just jump down to verse nine. Father, love me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. The sign of my obedience or the sign of my love is obedience. 
I do what God's word tells me to do. So I read the word and, and I see I'm out of line in this area or I'm, I'm off in that area or I shouldn't be doing this or that and, and the Holy Spirit convicts me through the word of God and, and it cuts back. So I'll bear more fruit for Jesus Christ. It's that pruning shear in the hands of the Lord. But the second way he prunes us is probably the way we even like the least and that's tests and trials. Do you know that God will allow tests to come your way? And trials to come your way to make you stronger so you can bear more fruit. We don't like it. We like it when everything's going great. We don't want any trials, any tests, perfect everything as we whistle through the rest of our lives. And God allows those storms to come, like we sang about, it is well with my soul. He allows those storms to come up on the sea of life to turn us to cry out and say, God, where are you at? I need you now. Wake up, Lord, on the boat. Don't you care that we perish? Lord, you're walking across the water. Come help us quick. We're about to drown. He allows those storms and trials and tests to come to prune us back so I can be more fruitful. Now, you're looking at me like, boy, he's really gone off now. Look at, let me give you a scripture. Look at James, James 1. James 1. This is, this is the word. This is, not, this is not me. This is God's word. Listen to it right here. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I haven't heard one guy get happy and say, you know what? I just lost my job. I'm so excited. Just got sick, and I can't believe I'm so happy right now. I'm just sick as a dog. Just had a problem with my kids. Just ran out of money. I'm so joyful. Never heard that. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. You want to bear more fruit, he'll allow a trial to come your way. These tests that make us so angry inside, and God's trying to bring fruit in our life, and so he brings that fruit of perseverance, and then that leads into the fruit of maturity, and then the bottom line, he says, you don't lack anything. You become a very fruitful vine. Your heavenly Father is never nearer to you than when he's pruning you. Now think about that. The heavenly father is never closer to you than when he's pruning the vine and cutting those branches back. But he's right there. Pruning is not just remaining, removing the bad. Listen to me, this is good. Pruning is, pruning is not just removing the bad. It may involve cutting away some things that are good. So that we might know God's best. Sometimes God cuts away the good, things that aren't even necessarily bad, so we can know God's best. Let me give you the illustration. I got scripture for this one. Luke 10, Martha's busy serving What's she doing in the house of the Lord? She is serving Jesus Christ. She's doing the dishes. She's vacuuming. She's doing good stuff all around the house. But Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better or the best 
because she's sitting at my feet learning of me. Sometimes there are even good things in our life, but they crowd Jesus Christ out. They're not necessarily wrong. I'm just not spending time at the feet of the master anymore. I'm not praying. I'm not reading my word. I'm not getting close to him. I'm not abiding in him. So he cuts those things off. There might not be one thing wrong with them in and of themselves, uh, but we're choosing the good instead of the best, and God wants to give us the best so we'll be more fruitful. Sometimes that trial and test comes in our life just to slow us down. We get going so fast with our own pursuits and our own interest and God allows a trial and it slows us down and so we cry out to God again. Listen to Hebrews 12, 11. This is another pruning verse. No discipline, or you can insert the word pruning in there, seems pleasant at the time but painful. I can imagine every one of those leaves when they're being lopped off or going, oh, ah, ooh, ah. Later on, however... It produces a harvest, fruit of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. Isn't that awesome? Pruning may hurt, but it helps. Disappointments, hurts, and setbacks may be the Father's way of pruning off the excess leaves that seem attractive to us, seem wonderful for us, look very beautiful when you look at the vineyard, but they are bearing no fruit. And so he cuts off any shoots of the self-life. That all the energy of the soul might be directed towards the vine or Christ Jesus. So sometimes he prunes us so that our priorities will be rearranged. So my time and my talents and my resources are all at the disposal of the gardener and are not there for me. Mm -mm -mm. And instead of being drained off by what is temporal or peripheral interest, Everything is focused on the life of the vine. And so because the sap and the life comes from the vine, I will then begin to bear more fruit in my life because I am being cut away that Christ may be glorified in me. So we gain by loss. Pruning, cutting back, I literally gain. So I live as I die, right? And the inward man, he says, is being renewed day by day by day. So what we have to do in this pruning process is trust the gardener. He knows what's best. God, whatever comes, I'm trusting you. I'm serving you. I'm digging in. I'm not letting go. I'm getting closer and closer and closer. That's good stuff. The third thing, and this is, this is, this is kind of where my, my crux is of my message today. It's all about the fruit. It's all about the fruit. Remember that commercial, where's the beef? Where's the beef? You look, open the bun up, little bitty, where's the, the old, little old lady, where's the beef? Jesus Christ says, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? This is why I saved you. This is why I gave my life for you. Where's, where's the fruit? 
It's not so much what we do, but it's the life of Jesus Christ within. It cannot happen but by abiding in Christ Jesus. So let me take you back. You can't produce fruit of yourself. It's this symbiotic relationship between the vine and the branches. It's that mutual, that locking into him. In fact, he says in verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. No amount of ingenious planning, uh, uh, no restless activity, uh, not coming and going to and from church can produce spiritual fruit. We can get involved in every activity there is on planet earth, but it won't produce spiritual fruit, just a lot of leaves. And we look good. And to the eye, they say, oh, boy, what a Christian. Look at his leaves. Look at how many branches he's got out there. And Jesus says, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? It's like trying to tie artificial fruit to a vine. It just doesn't work and look very good. So let me give you a quick, few quick observations about the fruit. Number one, it takes time. This is an ongoing process. Okay, it's not... God, give me more patience. No, don't, don't, don't pray for patience. Let me tell you that. <laughs> don't pray for patience because it, 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 you're going to get it. And you're gonna, you're, you'll, you'll be in every delay known to man because that's the only way you can develop patience. It takes time to cultivate and produce fruit. You don't plant one day and reap the next. Right? There's a time to plant. There's a time to reap. The process of pruning is that you might bear more fruit. Now, now there's something interesting in this passage. Look at how, he, how, it, how it comes across. In verse 2, he says that you might bear fruit. In verse 2, again, he says the repeated use of the pruning life occurs so you might bear more fruit. And then you go down to verse number 8, and he says if you abide in me, he says you will bear much fruit. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit. There are levels of fruitfulness. And in this room, everybody is not at the same level of fruitfulness. But everybody can be. How do you get there? Abide in the vine. Stay in Jesus. Seek the Lord. Remain in him. So it takes time. And that pruning is a continual process that goes on and on through the word, through tests and trials to develop those things in our life that need to be there. Number two. The fruit is not intended for the branches. The branches, the fruit, not for the benefit of the branches. It's not so the branches can consume the fruit. It's for others. Not producing fruit. We're not producing fruit to please ourselves or to see how good we look or can I bear more fruit than you're bearing, but we're bearing fruit to serve other people and to touch other people and to reach other people and to feed other people. We're bearing fruit for others so the world might see. Now, there, there are different kinds of fruit, and I, I've been holding that This is going to get really practical. Stay with me. There's different kinds of fruit that the Bible talks about. And it's not just one thing. I'm going to give you six very quickly and the ways you see fruit used in the word of God. Number one, people being saved is fruit. In fact, Paul writes the Romans, I often plan to come to you that I might have some fruit among you. Every time you lead someone to the Lord Jesus Christ and you're a witness and testimony and souls are saved, that's bearing more fruit in the kingdom of God. Every soul saved is just like new fruit coming in. 
Isn't that exciting? So souls, you lead someone to Christ, you're being fruitful. Okay? Uh, Number two, holiness and obedience. Listen to Romans 6 and 22. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. In other words, he talks about, writes about the fruit of holiness. And that's what he talks about in Hebrews, that he, he cuts back, he prunes, he, uh, he disciplines, so that in the end it might yield a peaceable fruit of righteousness and peace. And so holiness is a byproduct of abiding in Christ. The more you abide in Christ, remain in him, the more holy you will become in your lifestyle, the more obedient you are. Number three, giving. Do you realize giving is a sign of fruitfulness? He, he talks about bringing an offering to the Jerusalem church, and he says, I've taken these offerings from Macedonia to feed the poor in Jerusalem to take care of them, and so I am coming to you that I might bring some fruit that I would have to give unto you. And so their offerings were called fruit. So when the offering baskets passed and you joyfully put your tithes and your offerings into the offering basket, you are giving of your fruit to advance the kingdom of God. That's cool. Giving to somebody else, helping somebody else. These are all evidence of our abiding in Christ Jesus. Number four, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. This may be one of the most commonly known fruits out there, but listen to it. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 uses the word here. And the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, as you abide in Christ, the natural byproduct of that, you don't work or strain, but just stay with Jesus and you'll have more love and you'll have more peace and you'll have more self-control and you'll have more righteousness. It comes out of a relationship. Fruit of the Spirit. And then there is the fruit of good works. Listen to Colossians 1.10. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So when you serve other people, when you do acts of kindness, acts of generosity, when you're kind to others, the Bible says that's a fruit. It's a fruit of our life. And then number six, the last one, is the fruit of our lips giving thanks. Do you realize that your praise and worship to God is even called in the Bible one of the fruits the fruit of your lips giving thanks the byproduct of Christ in me I just can't help but give thanks the third thing very quickly about this fruit is every fruit every grape and and they say pomegranates have like thousands of seeds in them in every grape and every pomegranate and every fruit that's out there there are seeds for more fruit Right? You gotta, if you get real grapes, you gotta chew them real close and you gotta spit out the seeds. Watermelon, you know, they got seedless. I guess they're, they're cross pollinating and it gets seedless. But, but the, the watermelon we used to eat when we were kids before you had all those seedless ones where you just take a bite and you're spitting seeds out all over the place. Right? Within the fruit itself, there are seeds for more fruit. Man made results are dead, they cannot reproduce. But spirit-produced fruit will always reproduce more. That's where you go from the fruit to the more fruit to the much fruit. And that's what he means when he says a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Now listen to me. Out of the union with Christ Jesus, there comes spiritual birth. There comes life. 
If, you, if there is no union, if a man and wife do not have union, there can be no children born. But out of that love relationship with Jesus Christ comes spiritual fruit. It will come naturally because I abide in the, li- in the life of Christ Jesus. Out of that union flows life and fruit. And like Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Hallelujah. Now, there's a warning tucked in this passage. I read it to you earlier. If you cease to abide in Christ, you will wither and die. And you're, the branch should only be the only good, good thing the branch is good for is to be tossed into the fire. Don't neglect your relationship with Christ Jesus, but remain or abide in his word, in fellowship, and in his love. Let me read a couple verses. I, I didn't, have, didn't read it all at the beginning, but I'll read it now. Do you look at verse number nine? He's bringing it all to a close here, this, this parable of the, of the vineyard and the vine and the vine and the branches. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that your joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. As you remain or abide in his word, remain, abide in Christ Jesus. You remain or abide in fellowship. You will have fullness of joy. You will remain in his love. Look at verse number eight. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You will bring forth fruit for the glory of God as you abide or remain in him. Abide in the vine. Abide in the vine. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 13. I want to read one more passage. And this is kind of an interesting thought. And as I was kind of thinking about where we're going this morning and just where, how to get to where we need to get to and what God was speaking to my heart, he took me to this passage. Verse number six. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree and he planted it in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming back to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. I heard a message one time, into everybody's life a little manure must come. It's the word. Don't, don't, li- it's, don't look at me like that. It's the word. It's the word of God. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now I want to ask you a question. If the Lord came looking at your vineyard, at your fig tree? Would he see a lot of leaves? Would he see the external trappings of Christianity? But when he lifted up those branches, would he see luscious, beautiful fruit? And if not, what would he say? Would he say, cut it down, you're just taking up space? You're taking up pew space at Faith Assembly of God? You got your spot every Sunday morning? You got your place located? Some, some of you find that same seat every Sunday morning. It's like that name on the back of it. This is my seat. I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. 
And I want to ask you, are you just taking up space that someone else could come and fill up? Got the trappings of religious religion, the trappings of Christianity. You've got all the leaves there, but just no fruit. Now, the good news is God in his mercy and grace says, give it one more year. One more year. One more year. God is so good. So good. We, we dilly-dally around. We mess around. We don't do anything. We're not involved in ministry. We're not involved in kingdom work. We're not doing good works for anybody out there. We, we, we see more of the lust of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what God says? I love you guys so much, I'll give you another year. Another year. Another year. But listen, I want to, be, I want to believe that 2016 give me the most fruitful, exciting year for Faith Assembly of God and all the people that come to this church. I want it to be the very most exciting, fruitful year of your life. And God's given us another chance. He's speaking through his word and he's speaking through the Holy Spirit today and he's given us another chance. I want this to be a fruit-bearing church, not just a pretty one. Have fruit for the glory of God. And he just spoke tomorrow and said, I'm giving you another year. Let 2016 be the year we bear much fruit. Much fruit. Not just fruit, not just more fruit, but much fruit for the kingdom of God. Now I want you to stand with me. We're going to make this a matter of prayer today. And I want, don't please, nobody leaving. This is the, to me the most important part of what we're doing. We've talked, I've talked to you. We're going to talk to God. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.